Welcome to Have You Not Heard, a podcast hosted by licensed counselor and author of The Perfecting Storm, Angel H. Davis. Join her as she shares stories of hope and restoration from her 30 plus years of healing experience. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking your own licensed mental health professional, but a source of inspiration for your own journey. If you enjoy what you hear, be sure to like, subscribe, and rate this podcast. Now, here's Angel. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the Have You Not Heard podcast, episode two. Thanks for listening in, and especially if you listen to episode one, a double thank you for coming back, because man, what shaky beginnings. So to be totally vulnerable here, it's hard to be go back to being a rookie, stumbling around trying to get my voice after being seasoned in my profession, but oh well, it's good for the ego, very humbling, and it's grassroots, and you got to start somewhere, and thank you, by the way, to Todd Frazier at Do Things Podcast. This is not a paid advertisement. I'm just really thanking the guy because he gave me some helpful tips, um, like you're going to be bad at first and it's okay. Just keep going and you can stop and take a drink of water. So all these things, very helpful tips and very encouraging. So I can do this. We can do this together. And honestly, I am really excited since last week. I've been so eager to follow up and see how you're doing. I know that sounds crazy, right? The shelter in place thing has me creating imaginary friends, But here's the deal, um, because I've had the privilege of sitting with people over the years and hearing their stories and going on the journey of healing with them, I really can imagine you and your heart and what you might be going through. So I kind of feel like I know you. Um, And truly, it's my privilege to come alongside you and go together to the throne of God's grace to receive more healing and truth. And he loves giving those good gifts to his children. So let's dive in, okay? Last week, we talked about fear, worry, anxiety. Today, we're going to follow up on the practicals. What do you do with this stuff? Um, We're going to talk about God's character and our identity. That's our starting point. What is God's part? What is our part? How can fear be beneficial? And then we're also going to talk about healthy ways to deal with our fear. So we talked last episode that fear has been around since the beginning of time and doubt preceded that feeling of fear. Remember, fear is a feeling, but not just any old doubt, a very specific doubt, a doubt that had humanity question what God said. Is it true or not? And we've been questioning ever since. And with that doubt came fear, fear of God, what he will do or not do, worry about whether he'll take care of us, uh, whether if he really cares or not, fear entered in. But here's the great news. Faith existed before fear came in. So faith's track record is actually even better than fear. And there's even better news than that. Before faith, God existed. And one of his main attributes is love. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So 
I'm not, I'm about to run through a bunch of scriptures here. So if you don't have something to take notes on, you might want to grab something real quick to do that. God's love is the standard against fear. It is the tsunami wave that can cover over that negative wave of uh, fear that comes on us. So 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So again, God doesn't punish us. He disciplines us. And we do have to go through hardships like we talked about last um, episode. But he is here with us to walk us through the storm so we never have to be alone. And his love never fails us no matter what our circumstance looks like. So listen to 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. And this tsunami wave of love was released in its full power at the resurrection when Jesus defeated death and evil for us, for you, for me. And if you want more information about that, or that's not a concept you know a lot about, I would suggest reading the book of John in the Bible or reading Cold Case Christianity by J. Warner Wallace, or perhaps A Case for Christ or A Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. So the first steps to transforming this virus of fear is, number one, knowing God and his true character. Number two, knowing our identity in him. So let's talk about that, and then I'll give you some practical tips to implement these truths. Because let's face it, head knowledge is not enough. Our knowledge needs to lead to action because that helps it become heart knowledge. Our experiences trump what we know in our head. It's got to move from our heads to our hearts to be fully known, to be fully lived out. All right, I wax eloquent or I digress. You decide which one. But anyway, back to um, God's character. When Moses wanted to see God's glory, he was asking God to see his glory. God showed him his character. So his character is his glory. Now that's one to ponder for a minute. Exodus 34, 6 through 7 after God, I mean, after Moses asked God to show him his glory, this is how it happened. He said he was hidden in a cleft of, of a, um, of a rock. And he said, as he passed in front of Moses, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So that's the beginning of God talking about his character. It goes on in the, the New Testament, Colossians 1.15. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So again, we have Jesus being our tangible image of uh, the God that we cannot see. And then, of course, most people know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what is God's part? Everything. He gave everything. What is our part? We're asked just to believe that it's true, that what he was telling us is true. It's not fake news. It's um, it's real. And we have, of course, historical and substantial evidence for Jesus and the, the cross of Christ. But our part is so small, think fish and loaves, and yet so big, or not big, but maybe hard is a word, because it confronts our ego and our pride. We have to die in order to believe, meaning we have to die to our lofty ideas or thoughts or or maybe having to know every single thing and having to have scientific evidence about every single thing. And we leave no space for mystery in our leap of faith of God. But there is enough evidence to believe that it is true. So we lay down all those questions, all those doubts, and we believe. That's what he's asking us to do. 1 John 3, 1 says that, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. So he sacrificed his son so we could be reconciled with him. Again, remember how we talked about last time with back in the Garden of Eden, how it all got messed up. He, in Christ and through his death and resurrection, he is reconciling us back to that place that he wanted us to be before sin and evil entered in. Of course, we won't go into that fullness until we cross over to eternity, but we try to get as much of that in the here and now as we can. 1 John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, for you, for me. And we ought to, so then out of that, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And then it goes on to say, how do we do this? In, In verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, then how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So like many of our parents told us, integrity is when our actions and our words line up together. We're not just talking the talk, we're walking the walk. So let me break this down in my simple understanding of these scriptures. God's part. Number one, he created the world and he created humanity. Number two, he introduced himself early on by way of his character, compassion, forgiveness, loving to thousands of generations. And he continues to show that character all throughout scripture. Number three, he proved his love by giving up his one and only son. So his death would cancel out the penalty of our sin on the cross, my sin, your sin. So we could receive salvation. And that word salvation in, in, in Greek is sozo, which means healed, whole, delivered. So it is about um, a forgiveness of sins, but it's also about so much more. And again, he wants us to receive as much of that as we can here on earth even in the middle of our sufferings. So then our part is to simply believe this is true, that what he said 
he's here for who he says his character is, what Jesus did on the cross for our sins is true. He's holding out a gift and he's just asking us if we'll take the gift. And he's a gentle God. That's one of his descriptions. He doesn't force things on us. He gives us choice. I mean, that's what the freedom of true love is all about is choice. So do we receive that gift or not? If we believe in Jesus and his sacrifice for our sin, then we are children of his. It is simply profound. And then his love compels us to give away the love we've received to others. Do you get it? It's just a love fest and it goes round and round and round. <laughs> I don't I don't know why anyone would not receive that. It's just so glorious. So his character and sacrifice, or just say his loving sacrifice, plus our belief and receiving the truth of our identity in him equals into our pain having purpose. But his pain had purpose, so our pain can have purpose. So man, I just feel a need to take a pause and take a deep breath here, maybe even get that drink of water that I'm allowed to have. And meditate on these truths for a moment. And maybe you want to even stop and pray and journal and then come back in a minute and finish up with the practicals. But we're going to move on and um, look at some key principles and how to put those into practice. So believing God and who he is and believing that you are a beloved son or daughter is key to combating fear. Why? Because fear comes from two enemies of God, sin and evil. Oh boy, here we go again, stirring up trouble, talking about sin. But remember, sin is just simply doing life apart from God, thinking we are our own God. That's the essence of the base of sin. So now, okay, we're all in that same boat together. So we all do this at some point. So we can't point fingers at anybody, but point them at ourselves. And we do have a tempter of our soul whose main job is to get us to doubt what God says is true. And he's pretty good at his job. And then we comply with him. Like I used, I like to use the analogy of playing ball. He throws us the ball. So the ball in this instance might be the idea, like you're not good enough. God doesn't care about you. Or did God really say that? And then we catch the ball and we play with it. We own it. We hold it. And we say, yeah, I'm not good enough. You know, remember when I messed up on this thing in the past and you rehearse all your mistakes? Or yeah, if God really cared, why would this bad stuff happen? Where was he when it happened? Yeah, God's word says X, Y, and Z, but that was back in those days. It doesn't apply to us now. You get the picture? So think about this. If God allowed fear and he knew we would struggle with it, then there has to be some kind of benefit that can come from it. And psychologically speaking, we don't tend to hold on to something that doesn't help us in some way. I had a client once that was more familiar with fear than any other feeling, sadly. So it was almost like a companion of some sort. Does that make sense? It was hard to let go of because they were more familiar with the fear than anything else. 
Okay, so here are some potential benefits from fear. Number one, it alerts us of danger. Like we talked about last episode, healthy instinctive fear helps us to keep us safe, like get out of the road because a car's coming, things like that. Number two, fear can help us know what needs to get taken care of. Kind of like a fever points to something, some kind of problem or issue in your body. So for instance, if I have panic attacks, then that's a good indication that there's a deeper root, like unresolved trauma perhaps, or just stress that is built up over time. Maybe it's a lie I believe about myself that needs to be corrected, like I'm not good enough or I will fail. Boy, that fear of failure is a big deal. And if it goes on and on and on, it can create, build itself into panic. And by the way, panic is just a manifestation of fear that's gone untreated, usually. So perhaps it's a spiritual battle. Remember, fear is like a snowball going down a hill and it gets bigger as it goes and it collects more junk. Um, That's why it's important to deal with fear as quickly as possible to nip it in the bud, so to speak. So it's really, remember, a concern can turn into worry, then worry. If we worry long enough, it can manifest into fear, not all the time, but sometimes. So it's kind of a contagion effect. Um, the spiritual battle part, we do have an enemy of the soul. And so it can be arrows from the enemy. And we'll talk about that probably in another, um, podcast episode. I'll leave it there for now. So number three, potential benefit of fear. It can motivate us to change, to risk, to move forward. You've heard it said, do it afraid. We can use it as positive energy. So whenever we're going into something new, there's usually some fear and uh, with it because we don't know what's going to happen, but we can use that to motivate us to move forward. Um, Number four, fear shows us what God is up to often. Again, the enemy of our soul will often point out kind of what direction God wants us to move in. Um, Like he might try to stop you from doing a new project, like a podcast. He might tell you, hey, you don't know what you're doing. Hey, you don't sound very good or all those things that could create fear and then keep you from moving forward. You know, we're giving opportunities right now in this pandemic situation to change a lot of things and to risk new things. And um, just to add to this, you know, God kind of alerted me a year or two ago that that things were going to shift, that we were going to need to learn how to do new things with him that we've never done before. And so here we are, all are having opportunity to do that to some degree. So use the fear as a way of just going, okay, I'm going to step into this because it's probably stopping me from where God wants me to go. Um, So number five, it can deepen our faith, uh, uh, our respect of God. Fear can show us how small we are and how 
We need a big God. I do believe we're getting faced with that in this pandemic. Um, This is something beyond our control, beyond our ability to even understand. And um, again, the future, who knows how it's all going to play out. And so we become very small. And we do have a big God, so it can help us to have more awe and reverence. And by the way, um, His holiness may knock our t- us to our knees because it's so powerful. And that's the kind of fear the Bible is talking about, is an awe and a reverence. But it's not the scary kind of fear, yet it is a powerful fear. <laughs> Uh, all right. So number six, if, if, if it's used correctly, doubt that comes with the fear can help us examine what we believe and why we believe it. It can challenge our thinking and perhaps, you know, challenge our theology and make sure that we're thinking about God in the right way. And especially in this area of suffering, because a lot of us haven't had a good theology of suffering. So it helps us to examine what we're thinking, and it can be a purifying process. Also, again, it can be perceived safety. It may help in the short term to feel a little safe in that weird backward kind of way. But eventually it becomes a problem in the long term. Like the client I talked about just a minute ago, the fear helped her at some point, but then it became a barrier to receiving from God. All righty. So what are some ways we can deal with fear in a healthy manner? Well, number one, and it is the main thing and the biggest thing, is watch what you are thinking. Feelings are always associated with your thoughts. If you are feeling fear, check to see what you are focused on and what you are thinking about. If you are focused on what you are out of control over, it is a guarantee for anxiety or fear. In fact, it's a prescription of some sorts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension, those are thoughts, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is what the Bible calls mind renewal. And in psychology, it's called cognitive reframing. And it is one of the most powerful forms of healing that we have. So look at your thought and examine it. Does it fit God's truth? If not, put it under God's truth. So number one, find a Bible verse that is truth. Remember, scripture is medicine. It's like taking a pill. It has effect on us. And it will over time as we meditate on truth. Or maybe hold on to something someone else has told you that is true and repeat that to yourself. So one way or another, take truth and ingest it, repeat it, hold on to it. So number two of healthy ways to take handle fear are to give your feelings their proper place. Feelings are meant to give us information. Much like physical pain in our bodies, our emotions give us information, but they're not our destination. For instance, just just because I have a migraine headache doesn't mean I have a brain tumor. Or just because I'm fearful that my friend will reject me if I'm honest with them doesn't mean they will. So instead of going to a conclusion, which that's what we tend to do, we feel a feeling, especially with fear or anxiety, and we go straight to a conclusion. 
So instead of that, first acknowledge the feeling, actually feel it, acknowledge that you have it. Imagine holding on to it and taking it to Jesus. You can use your anointed imagination for this. And scripture tells us he's always with us. So imagine him with you, taking it to him, talking to him about it. Let him help you examine the feeling. Sit in it. Don't try to change it or explain it away. Just be with it. And then let God show you his truth about it. I used to say a simple prayer like, okay, Lord, if this feeling is from you, meaning you've allowed it and it's here for purpose, then show me what you want me to know about it. I remember as I say that one time I was sitting in a family discussion that was had high tension. It was just so uncomfortable and I wanted to leave the room. My anxiety was... (laughs) at a 10. And I remembered, I I remembered to ask God, okay, what is going on? And he's like, you start praying, start praying for what's going on right now. So I started praying him, asking him to intervene. And boy, the whole situation just turned out beautifully, but it wasn't fun and it wasn't pretty, but it turned out in a really redemptive way. So that feeling may be there to alert you to something that he wants you to do. But if it's not from him, then take it away. So simply, Lord, if this fear is from you, show me what I need to know about it. If it's not from you, take it away. Something like that. So a lot of our feelings persist because we don't fully embrace them. And so we can't let them go. And of course, sometimes the fear is so pervasive or so loud that you can't get beyond it. Maybe it freezes you up from doing anything productive, and you may not be able to do these steps we're talking about. And that may may indicate that you really need to reach out to get some help. And there is no shame in that game because we all need help. And one of the enemy's tactics is to keep fear in the dark. So not talking about it is the worst thing you can do. It grows in the dark. It multiplies. So um, we need to find a good counselor, a good friend, a pastor, perhaps, to be able to talk these things through. And also, there may be a biological component to your struggle, and we don't want to miss that part. Um, And that needs to get dealt with. We are made body, soul, and spirit. And so, like my my friend, I can say that word. Like my friend Michelle said, who, by the way, I will interview next episode. I'll tell you more about that at the end. She said, I had to have the right medication in order to do the hard work. So she needed some of her brain chemistry ministered to by medication in order for her to do the hard work of cognitive reframing and mind renewal. So we don't have to fear fear. First John 14. 418 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I think we already said that one. Here's another one. We don't have to sit in worry or anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. God showed this to me a long time ago. And um, the way I say it is it's his anti-anxiety prescription. So I'm going to paraphrase this, but I would encourage you to go meditate on the verses if, if worry and fear is an issue for you or just because it's really good stuff. Um, so number one, he says, don't worry. 
because he knows we're gonna, we're gonna be prone to that as humans and instead pray. So he gives us the replacement behavior because um, worrying is like a behavior. We practice it. We get pretty good at it. So he's saying, get pretty good at praying. Turn your worry into prayer and ask me, number two, for what you need. And I think it's so sweet of him to that we get to ask him for what we need before we thank him for what he's already done. That's step three. So we remember what he's done. We thank him for it. And then, so different ways he's worked in your life, or you've seen him work in somebody else's life, or you know in scripture that he has come through for people. And then number four, his promises, his peace will guard your heart and your mind. And his peace is his presence. So in his presence, fear cannot exist. And that's why we want to know who he is and stay close as a son or daughter. But then number five, we keep that peace by thinking about things that are pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. So things that will lift us up, things that will remind us about God, things that will keep us in that positive framework. All righty. So that was the anti-anxiety prescription. Number three, a healthy way to deal with fear is to live in forgiveness. You may be saying, what in the world does forgiveness have to do with fear? Well, think about this. Fear is perceived danger. So either it's based on imagination or something that truly happened in the past. And so fear is often related to the need to forgive. Unforgiveness keeps us connected to the very people or things that hurt us. Unforgiveness, you may have heard, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It doesn't work. Uh, all it does is keep us connected to the pain and to those circumstances. We may not want to forgive because what has been done to us is grievous or hurt has hurt us so badly it seems unforgivable. But God assures us he will bring justice. And the deal is forgiveness was paid for by Christ so we can be free. He wants us free. Forgiveness breaks the bond from what has hurt us. Statistically, also, unforgiveness is one of the biggest hindrances to healing. Google it. You'll find it. There's secular research that tells us that. And please don't forget that the one you may need to forgive is actually yourself. All right, number four, focus on the present. Sure, you can plan ahead, but then put those ideas and thoughts in a file, like an insurance policy. You don't sit around and read your insurance policy all day long. You just have it. It's in the file. If you need it, you'll go to it. So you can make future plans, but just file it away. Focus on the things you need need to do today to get things done. Focus on what is real and true today, and then you'll be really productive and effective, much less uh, likely to fear. Don't borrow trouble from something that might happen in the future. That is, again, your vain imagination. The, the practice of mindfulness that you've probably heard about is that's so popular right now can help you with this. But just make sure you're focusing on God's truth because that's where the power comes from. Psychology is really good, but it's man-made, so it's limited. God is unlimited in power, so his truths 
or what you want to focus on. Matthew 6, 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can we all say amen to that one? All right. Number five of our healthy ways to deal with fear. Do the next right thing. That's all you have to do. Take the next step, make the next call, get your foot out of bed, get out of your PJs. Just do the next thing. That one thing will lead to another and another and another. Don't look too far down the road at all the steps because you'll get overwhelmed or try to figure it all out. Remember, that's the original sin and it keeps us in bondage. Just take one step at a time, one thing at a time. Practice being in the moment. Practice, practice, practice. It takes time to retrain the brain, but it can be done. So what day do we focus on? Today. What action do we take? The next step. Lamentations 3, 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So we will have what we need the next day. Um, I could go in more into that, but I'll leave it there. All righty then, there you have it. We talked about fear. We talked about our identity in Christ, in God's character. And the main thing, if you don't get anything else out of today, is how you think about God and yourself and others is the key to releasing fear. So my challenge to you this week is to practice one or several of those steps of handling fear in a healthy way. And make sure to tune in next Thursday. I'll be interviewing my sweet friend, Michelle. She has an amazing testimony of overcoming fear, anxiety, depression, and all the stuff that comes with that. You don't want to miss it. It's a great story of perseverance and healing. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week, this is Angel H. Davis signing off. God bless and talk to you soon.